Welcome to Techspiration with Nancy Caramonica and Mike St. Pierre, where we explore the ways that technology intersects with the world of education. And so we're really excited to introduce a very, very special guest today. But before we do that, Nancy, how are things in the world of Philadelphia? Things are great. Very, very chilly. And uh, <laughs> expect it might even hit zero degrees uh, at the end of the week. So, um, But otherwise, really, really good. Cool. Yeah, Jersey's cold. Uh, looking forward to spring. Are you going to be heading down to Orlando for NCEA in, in uh, spring? I am. I'm moving it. I'm definitely going down for that. I'll be presenting, and I'm looking forward to that warm weather and getting in touch with everybody. Cool. That should be great. Well, Nancy, you know that we've had some awesome guests in uh, the podcast, and they've been from education, they've been from industry, and uh, today's guest is certainly no exception. David Allen needs little introduction. He is the author of Getting Things Done, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity. He's also the author of Ready for Anything, and actually what might be an overlooked work, but it's actually my favorite, Making It All Work, Winning at the Game of Work in the Business of Life. And um, so David works with really the best and the brightest around the world so that they can clear their head, focus on their most important priorities, and truly make a difference in their everyday lives. GTD has been a source of inspiration for nearly every one of the top leaders in productivity, including me personally. And GTD is also being accepted more and more by pastors and principals, superintendents, even nonprofit leaders. And I think it's just because GTD makes sense. Uh, David is married to Catherine. He's a fan of gadgets, both new and old. And he's been known to trim a bonsai tree or two. So, David, welcome to the show. Hey, Mike, Nancy. Delighted to be here. Thanks for having me. Anything you want to add to that intro? Wow, I said that. I guess that's. I guess that's pretty much it. I mean, we could <laughs> we could end right there. Fill that. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's sort of that's sort of the game. Yeah. No, I'm I'm Mr. Lazy. I'm I I woke up uh, from the time I can remember when I was born, saying, "How much easier can I make anything I'm doing?" I'm not a motivational. <laughs> I'm not a motivational speaker. I sleep as long as I can, and I just hate having ideas twice if I don't need to. So. Well, I love it. And uh, yeah, I mean, we've talked about that with our, our other guests as well, that you can be lazy and really productive at the same time. It's sort of being aware of the spaces where you give yourself permission to do either. So, Well, well Mike, if I can jump into the deep water right away, you know, a lot of the new uh, research, and there are two brand new books out that I'll, I'll give you citations for if you don't have them already, uh, that have aggregated a lot of the research from cognitive science over the last 20 years. And lazy, meaning stop, daydream, be spontaneous, allow yourself to unhook from your world is absolutely critical in order to be able to focus optimally and to, to maximize your, intellig your, your, your intellectual productivity. And that's new data that's showing up that's just validating something that, you know, I've always sort of made a joke. I'm sort of lazy and, and I hang out and I love to be spontaneous. But there's, there's no actually real validation that that actually makes you smarter and makes you much more capable to, to operate. So to your point or to the point in education, I think, you know, you, you may have mentioned a comment earlier that I read about, you know, always on, you know, one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, without giving kids the opportunity to have reflection, spontaneous, no scheduled play time. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the biggest need in the executive world, you know, and obviously it was something they didn't learn as kids it's interesting or, did, or didn't, didn't, didn't bring over into that game. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's interesting. You know, here at school, we changed our entire academic schedule to give some free space for every student 30 minutes in the morning. And we thought it was really not such a big deal. And then as we've talked to students, they've said, no, I get 30 minutes every day that I can choose where I want to be and how I want to use my time. And it might be to buy a cookie or it might be to go meet with people for something more serious, but both have value. And uh, so it's been kind of interesting. And I guess as a dad, I see so many families, they're not giving any open space uh, to their kids. Well, that's really a lot of what GTD and what the methodology that I really recognized and developed and sort of cobbled together and made much more explicit was really about how do you get space? You don't need time. You don't need, any, you don't need time to have a good idea but you need room. You don't need time to be present or to be loving or to be caring or to have fun. You just need room. You, you could have all the time in the world, but if you have no room, you will waste it. If you, and you don't need but five seconds or 10 seconds or 30 seconds if you have room to have a creative idea, to be loving, to be present, you know, to, to be just to be on. Mm, fully, so, fully it, you know, I, and yeah, and, and I think we really need to reframe that. It's, it's really about how do I create room? Mm. David, and that's, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that, that, that's really what this is about. How do I create room? The problem is it's almost impossible to focus appropriately on what you're doing or to relax and refresh and think about nothing if you have not implemented the GTD methodology because you'll have stuff going on in your head that is potentially distracting and draining of that uh, you know, intuitive intellectual energy. So, David, kind of picking up off of that, I mean, I know for me, I can remember reading Getting Things Done. I remember the parking lot where I used to read it on my way home from work, and I've reread it more than a few times. Uh, can you kind of step into the role of teacher and talk to our listeners about that methodology that you talk about? Sure. Here's the 22nd version. Ready? <laughs> Get, take anything potentially meaningful that has your attention get it out of your head, sooner than later decide and clarify exactly what that means and what you're going to do about it, if anything, and what's the specific outcome or specific action about any actionable stuff. Then park the results of that, organize that into appropriate categories so that you can step back and, you know, step four, reflect on the, the whole gestalt or the whole inventory of what all your commitments are at as many horizons as you're conscious. And then just trust your intuition to make a good trusted choice about how you allocate your attention and resources based upon that. So that's really all it is. It's really about building an external brain and, and, and making sure that you're not trying to use your head, which is a terrible office. It, it, your, your brain was not designed to, to, to hold ideas. It was, it was designed only to have them. And so that's a lot of what we're learning now about how the brain doesn't work. And everybody's trying to make it work in a world that is blowing its fuses. Nancy, can you connect um, David now to you know, teachers and students <clears throat> in school? Sure. Uh, David, many of our listeners are people who work in schools, either as teachers or as school leaders. Um, what do you wish that teachers taught their students about work or about productivity? All of this. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, how, how, how old do you need to be to get the idea of, well, what are you trying to produce with this report? What, what's your successful outcome? And oh, by the way, what's your very next action you need to take to move that forward? You tell me how old a kid needs to be to understand that conversation. Mm -hmm. 
And it, if you say hmm. four, five, six years old, I go, yep, we've seen it. So yeah. from the big, very beginning, this thought process is not being taught. You know, how many, how many teachers assign a report and don't have the kid understand the first thing they need to do is, wait a minute, what am I trying to accomplish by writing this report? Mm. What does the teacher want me to accomplish by writing this report? You tell me how often that's a conscious conversation. And without that conversation, the brain has no criterion to evaluate information or data. So the, obviously the kid's going to blow a fuse. Right. You know? So Absolutely. what do they do? What do they do? What I do? Go copy stuff out of the encyclopedia, right? <laughs> and, and, and change a few words and say I wrote it. Yeah, yeah. You know, they. I think a lot of students feel overwhelmed um, because they see a project and they just go A to Z. Whereas one thing I've heard you say many times over the years is, for a lot of things, all you need to look at is what's the next action. Can you comment on that, David, a little bit? Well. Let me back up a little bit. The real key to all this is appropriate engagement. How do I appropriately engage with this assignment, with my agreement with myself, with whatever? And what we've discovered is that in order to be appropriately engaged, you don't have to have it perfected in your head. Good luck. What you do need, you can't just willy-nilly it and be appropriately engaged. That doesn't work either. But the two critical elements are, wait a minute. What am I trying to accomplish? What's my final agreement with myself and any other key people? This is done when what's true. When do I get to check off the box, essentially, of this project or this thing I'm committed to? Mm -hmm. And what's the very next thing I need to do if I pull the trigger on this to start engaging with it? Is it, is it a, something to surf on the web, something to talk to my teacher about to get clarity about? Is it something that I need to sit down and just brainstorm some ideas on a piece of paper? Once you make those two decisions, look, I can trust now I've defined the goal. Here's, I mean, ask any kid how fun it is to play soccer if there's no goal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, can, you can enjoy kicking the ball around just so you, you I, I see them. Oh, do I that. love that that's, analogy. That's called cross country. Yeah. But, uh, come on. When you, when, you, when, you, when you play a game, you need a goal and you need the next play. Right. You might have some bigger strategy. I mean, I understood, and, and that's cool. But come on, when you go play soccer, what do you need? There's the goal down there, and do I kick this left or right? And that's, like, that's really what you need to appropriately engage with anything. Mm. It's like, what's the, what's the finish line? What am I trying to accomplish with this? Where am I going? What's the teleology, big word? What's the, <laughs> what's the thing that's the, the intentionality here? That's about, probably a better word. What's my intention here? And then what, how do I start moving on it? So if you really think about it, getting things done, the two elements are what does done mean and what does doing look like and where does it happen? Wow, I love it. We're doing a, a capital campaign here at school and we had a meeting last night and we're talking about, okay, I've got this person, I've got that person, I've left three messages I can't get through and it literally was like GTD right in front of us because we said, okay, what's the smallest doable thing that you can take on in the next 24 hours? Okay, well, it's... Um, send an email instead of a call. All right, well, it's a personal note. It's a, okay, it's the idea of until we can cross their name off the list, there's probably one more small thing we can do to move this thing down the field. Sure. Well, if you have some level of commitment to change the physical world that you're in and you have not yet clarified what would start to move toward that physically look like, you are not appropriately engaged yet. And you, 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 that will be still on your mind. It'll wake you up at three o'clock in the morning when you can't do anything about it. So, 
you know, the whole thing is if you want space about that, you know, what you wanted to do with when you left that meeting last night, you wanted nobody should have that still on their mind. Right. Right. Because if it's still on their mind, that means there's some decision about it they haven't made or they haven't parked the results of that in some place they trust. And so it's hung up and they're the bottlenecks. So I just uncovered that methodology. Well, wow, <laughs> isn't that cool? If you want a clear head, you actually don't have to finish anything. Yeah. But you do have to be appropriately engaged with with where it is and how you're engaged with it right now. David, regarding engagement, so um, if if you were to come to my school, which would be like a dream, if you were to come to my school and, and speak to parents, um, what would be your message? I mean, I'm sure it would be very, very simple and very, very direct, but how would you frame your conversation with them? I would frame it that way, but again, not being a teacher, what I do is find somebody like you, Mike, who's a teacher, and say, how would you frame this? By the way, two weeks ago, I just spent uh, two hours at the Adina school system uh, with their secondary class, uh, wow. third to fifth graders, who were, sp- who were spending an hour doing their weekly reviews because their teacher, um, uh, Mark Wallace, has been a champion of my stuff for uh, forever. And he's actually got his kids. And I walked in, I was blown away. If you mm-hmm. look at my Instagram, by the way, which is dallen 45 on Instagram, you'll see a picture of me sitting with kids doing their weekly review. Oh and their weekly review, a, a big on their wall, right, is three columns called Get Clear, Get Current, Get Creative. Wow. And they have a whole list of Get Clear called Clean Up Your Locker. Let's make sure that you don't have any homework stuck, in, you know, any pieces of paper stuck inside your packs or whatever. So there's the Get Clear piece. They all got it. And get current. Hey, here's my math stuff for this week, and I haven't finished on that. And then get creative. Call once you've gotten clear, your you know all that stuff is cleaned up. And once you've gotten current, you're up to date with your homework. Now you get to work on your creative projects. Mm. And I knelt down with these eight, nine, and ten year olds, and they were all excited. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I just did a, you know, I did an interview. Where I said, can you imagine twenty people? I was just in a room with, for an hour and a half with 20 people doing weekly reviews, and they were totally stoked and excited. And, oh, by the way, they were 8 to 10 years old. <laughs> and the kids get it. They yeah. love this. It's like, what a cool thing. And wow. so, you know, th- that's not my role. I haven't had kids, nor have I been a teacher, certainly at that level. So I, I, I'm not the best person to know how to translate the methodology, but I've watched people, and I've started to see it, and I just had a real-life, real-time experience with the power of this. And the kids were just stoked. They were like, hey, let me show you what I'm doing. No, I'm working on math. I can't work on my creative project yet because I need to finish my math stuff. And Mark said, he told me, he said, look, the parents are already catching this. They're already, they're already changing their vocabulary. Not did you finish your homework tonight, but are you current on your homework? Mm-hmm. For a lot of kids have homework that's not just one night. It's like this week or 10 days or the next few days. So just reframing the lexicon and how people are thinking about work and how to think about it. So I don't know. That's a long way to say Mark beats me, what I'd say. But I'd be happy if I am in the area. You know, just invite me. I'll show up and we'll, and, and we'll see. Wow, very but, cool. But I, I think that's, where, that's how we're going to change the world. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, come on. You know, I'm dealing with people who've got a lot of bad habits. But the kids are going, well, what am I supposed to do? Okay, well, let me go do that. So, you know, if before age 12 or 13 or 14, before they decide they want to individuate, then just show them, hey, this is the way to do it. They're on. I actually now, I now know two twin girls that are 22 
who have literally from the time they were born because their parents were GTDers from that point forward and they did home they, and they were homeschooled mm-hmm. and these girls the world is their oyster you wouldn't believe what these girls are doing it's like oh. why would you ever keep anything in your head and of course you decide what the next action on anything is that you want to be doing and of course you define projects and have a project list and have that in front of you it's like well duh you know this actually trainable but we're not born doing this so it it, it, it is something we actually do need to apply cognitive effort uh, to build those muscles and to build that thought process. What I love about GTD is it's so portable. You know, I mean, I, I have always benefited in whatever job or role I've been in at those very basic skills. You know, I've always been somebody who writes things down. Nancy's always been somebody who's really good at managing a project from start to finish. I mean, GTD is so simple and it's utterly portable uh, without being kind of dogmatic. It's very, very flexible, which I think is one of its real strengths. Um, so, Nancy, what's, uh, what's next on our, our cue sheet for David? I, I'm just thinking, um, you know, as you're talking about your experience, David, with, with students, it's just such a powerful way to have students work. And I think there's just so much growth there for students, um, especially today with, like, the world is changing so fast. There's, there's so much noise. There's a lot of technology, and we love the technology. But, you know, that introduces a whole need for, for managing uh, social media use. And you think about the principle of focusing on one thing at a time. Like, how should students manage their social media and their technology? Stop. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say adults in there, but I think that, you know, you, you think about, um, you know, I think of myself, I just took on a new project, which I'm hugely excited about, um, but it's introducing, you know, new social media um, profiles for me and channels, and, and you think, gosh, you know, what's the best advice uh, for students? Stop. Well, <laughs> you, well, no, let's give that some academic backup and, and, some, and some cognitive science backup. Uh, one of the two books I'll recommend is a brand new book out called Brain Chains, as in chains that are around your brain to keep you from optimally, you know, producing intellectually. And uh, it's by Teo Compernale, C-O-M-P-E-R-N-O-L-L-E. He's uh, living in Brussels right now. And it's an incredible compilation of all the research that's absolutely proving that the distractions of always on undermining intellectual productivity in spades. Wow. And it's read it at your peril because mm-hmm. then you, you will never again even do hands-free uh, calling from your phone. Statistically, it's as dangerous as texting in the mm-hmm. phone mm-hmm. in terms of how it then undermines your brain's capability to do it. And the point is not to give up that technology, but that what the technology is doing in terms of creating addictive behaviors that are creating such surface life that is then... Um, not not giving room and space for real conversation, real reading, real research, real thinking, and it's you know that addictive quality. That even just thinking what's showing up in your social media creates a dopamine rush, which is now addictive. So mm. there's a huge addictive factor right now to all of that. When I say stop, so I was sort of kidding, but in another way, the whole idea is you need to be able to unhook from that addictive behavior still use it for what it can be used for. You know, I, mean, I have 1.2 million Twitter followers, right? But to me, that's a cocktail party. And I, so I enjoy it and play with it that, that way. 
mm-hmm. step in. I step in when I want. I step out when I want. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not addicted to following it and okay. seeing what's going on and constantly checking in and constantly checking in. Now, to a large degree, a lot of the new cognitive science is validating what the GTD methodology sort of that we came up with from the street uh, has validated, which is your head's not for holding things. And if your head is trying to hold on to all of this, then constantly into emergency scanning mode. What's up? What's up? What's new? I don't want to miss anything. I can't, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't let myself go very long without checking in on what's current because something might be important that I should be missing. If you actually cleaned up and zeroed out all of your input on a daily basis, in other words, if I get emailed to zero every night, why do I need to check it all day? Right. I don't. Mm-hmm. Right? People can reach me if they need me. But it allows me to then segment these different cognitive processes in chunks where I'm chunking, okay, now it's time to sit down and think about stuff that I have to respond to and have to think about and have to do that. But that's a very specific time. It requires a very specific part of your, your cognitive process to be able to do that well. And that's a part of you that actually will tire out. So when you hear about uh, decision fatigue, you know, that's, a, that's, a, that's starting to become quite validated in terms of just the research now. That, that part of your brain, which is the forebrain part, that's the intellectual executive function, that thing actually tires out. I hope that our, our listeners, you know, listen to this cast and maybe listen a second time because there's kind of a lot at stake here. You know, we're not just talking about like, gee, how do I uh, run a more efficient meeting? I mean, we're actually talking about how do I really get more out of life? You know, how do I um, engage with my spouse or my family? Well, if, I've, if I'm texting while my wife is uh, waiting for me to, to talk to her, that's a problem, you know? And so we're talking about serious stuff here. It's not just like, gee, getting to inbox zero. I, I just keep going back to that. How do I appropriately engage with what's in front of me right now? Or how do I put that off until another time that my system allows me to, to trust in that? Exactly. And it's very subtle, Mike, because... I could right now, because you and I are just on audio, not video, I could be glancing over at well, what's come into my email while we're talking, and yeah, I heard his question, and he's talking right now, let me go over this. <laughs> and, and believe me, and this is actually recently that I've started to see the subtlety of that's unfair to both me and you. you know, unfair to you, because I'm not necessarily totally present with exactly what you're saying and following along with it, but more unfair to me that I'm not... I won't be enjoying the process at a level of depth and sensitivity and awareness that I could if I were not doing that. And that's actually, that's since I read Theo's book, Brain Chains, and since I read that, I went, wait a minute, I need to test this out. So this is subtle stuff mm. and, and, and very important. It's actually made a big difference already for me mm. just to say I'm, I'm actually that much more present in conversations when I'm not trying to do that. Well, David, you totally threw Nancy under the bus there because I'm pretty sure I heard her keyboard clicking away as we were talking. Uh, <laughs> I try not to type too much. I was trying to get the whole show notes. <laughs> Great Just things. Kidding. And uh, of course, like, like when Mike said people should listen twice, I know, of course, we'll go back and listen again. But so many great points, I think, for, for students, for school leaders, um, just so many things, especially with today's world, how we keep getting busier and busier and that technology is introducing more opportunities for being busy. 
Well, I think the re- reflection time, if, if nothing else, I mean, Mike, you mentioned it, that like, wow, 30 minutes, kids do what they want to do, right? Go buy some candy or work on their math homework or whatever. But what if they had a model that said, and by the way, here are the really cool things you could do, you know, and even have that structured. So that became more the soccer game to play mm-hmm. as opposed to just tr- uh, truly willy nilly. Right. So, you know, that to me would be my advice. Would say, okay, what do we need? What do we all need to learn? And what, by the way, out of the mouths of kids, you know, what we, can we learn from them? I mean, I just saw twenty kids. You know, in all these years, the weekly review is the thing that people fall off the the wagon of GTD because they don't build in this reflective time and pull up the rear guard and get their systems current. They get all excited on a weekend or they read the book, and then they don't keep up those behaviors. And the key behavior is regularly, okay, you fell off the surfboard, you know, you got an ankle tether here, get back on. Yeah, good. Right? That's and, good and, and pull yourself back onto it. And so those kind of regular reflective times is the, one of the toughest habits for adults to, to engage in, I, I know. And I saw these kids loving this. I, I, so I saw this. I mean, even if only half of them, when they walked out of there, you know, left school, said, I still have to do that kind of thing in order to be current, be cool, be creative, have room to write my music, to ride my horse, to write the, my book, to, you know, whatever they want to do. You well, know? if you thought elementary school kids were fun, wait till we get you in front of some high schoolers because they're really fun. So um, we are on Techspiration with our guest, David Allen, and we have time for one last question. David, um, what's next for your company and even for your own writing about productivity? Well, uh, my actually new edition of Getting Things Done is launching March 17th in the U.S. Wow. So you'll see the 2015 version, three additional chapters. I rewrote a lot of my text, mostly to bring it current in terms of just the vocabulary and also deepen some of the thought process. The, the methodology hasn't changed uh, at all, but uh, it's, it's now even a much more evergreen book, and I think, and that's exciting. So I just got my hands on it two nights ago. Wow. Over here in Amsterdam, oh, for the first the first copy of it. So mm-hmm. that's that's out, and I think that will make it. It's much more positioned for lifestyle, not so much business. You know, it's certainly you know initially was sort of positioned for the business productivity world. But the truth is, the clergy, students, homemakers, everybody has can, you know needs this, benefits this. This is a lifestyle, lifelong you know way of thinking and style that we're not born doing. But it's not that hard to learn and do. And so, you know, we've greatly increased the population's interest in this and positioning it appropriately. I don't have a tie on the, on the cover this time. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's much more, hey, come on, guys, this is like lifestyle stuff. And so positioning it that way, that's, that's exciting to, do, to, to frame that. And we're now building global franchises around the world to, 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 to distribute our training programs. So... That's that's a that's the long haul. So Catherine and I are both deeply engaged, and that's one reason for being over here in Europe right now, wow. getting traction. Sort of for it's a it's a global methodology. There's no cultural bias to this uh, to this uh, to this work at all. It just it's, makes sense. Um, before uh, Nancy wraps us up, you know one thing, David, that I've always kind of admired about uh, you and your company is you kind of have every reason to be really salesy, um, but you're not. And um, I've I've kind of stepped back like over the years and said like this guy is he could sell anything he wanted to probably water to fish and yet I, I'm sort of stunned at how subtle and um, kind of non 
pressured and non-salesy your company has been over the years. I, I, I don't know if anybody's ever told you that, but it's just it's oh, kind of Mike, remarkable. We keep telling ourselves that. We keep kicking ourselves in the butt that, that oh my God, I, we should probably be a lot bigger, a lot more successful, a lot of than we were. But there's just something about this material that is, that is the, I think the elegance <laughs> is that it's not, it's not a force feed. It's, it's, it, it, it's for anybody, but not for everybody. And you, you know, it, uh, it's, I don't have, I'm, I'm not particularly ambitious or even entrepreneurial. Uh, and I, I guess my role has always been more of a researcher, you know, and, and model maker and, and, and perhaps motivational speaker, but an educator, but not, you know, trying to sell it. It's called, if nobody wants it, I don't want to sell it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but so our decision was, okay, the world keeps knocking on a door. How do I best serve the world? To be able to make this and scale it so that it's possible to to get this you know sort of life improving information to as many people as want it, and that's that. I think that's the driver. I think that's part of the DNA of our company. Cool. That's beautiful. <clears throat> well, well, David, thank you so much for being on today's episode of Techspiration. Um, everyone, be sure to check out our show notes for more information about GTD, David Allen, and the many excellent books that he's authored, especially the one that's coming out on March 17th. We'll also be sure to include a few of Mike's blog posts as well on getting things done. Until then, we'll see you next time. And David, thank you so much. This was wonderful. My pleasure, folks. Thanks, David. So we hope you've enjoyed today's interview with David Allen. For all of our other podcasts, just head over to Nancy's website, nancycaramonico.com, or my own, mikesampierre.com where you'll find a full list of all the incredible people that we've interviewed in the podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening.